1: The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space.
0: like to say that I thought of a bit for today
1: but Uh I couldn't
0: because what we watched like doesn't it doesn't connect to anything. No, it doesn't. And so I was really hard pressed to to, now also I just like was very tired but like mostly (laughs) Mostly, it's that, like, so i watch I usually watch the things we watch on Tuesday, so I have enough time to like do the outlines and like get everything ready. Uh-huh. And I already, I mean, and it's Saturday now, and I
1: don't recall much. oh, I like I was is. I was just telling you a couple minutes ago. I watched it twice, both times, I like really, really even. The second time where I was like, you're going to put your phone down and you're going to watch this. I like, couldn't do it. <laughs> um, so welcome
0: everyone to another installment of See You Next Week in Space. Uh, I am Sarah Walsh and I'm joined with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. And um, yeah, we've got a bit of a head scratcher, maybe is a good way to describe it. Yeah. What I chose for the week.
1: Um, I mean, I take full responsibility because I did choose this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 100% your fault. But um, it just, and I feel like this would never have been on my radar. Though at the same time, it didn't feel completely foreign to me. Like I maybe have seen clips of it before. Or Mm -hmm. something like that. And that's, you know, I'm gonna say right off the bat before we even like get to any type of reviews, that's the way to watch this show in clip form. Like yeah. Short snippets. A full I think that's right. A full length of this type of puppetry, I guess. Okay, well, now we have we not even said what we were talking about. (laughs) Now, yes. So that's what I was gonna say next.
0: Puppets. That's mm-hmm. and not just any puppet, marionettes um is that, okay, I have <laughs> we don't need so to get so up first this, but I'm so first before you ask your question, why don't we just you say what okay. we watched this week,
1: okay, so we watched um an episode of the show, Thunderbirds from uh the episode we watched is called Ricochet, yeah. Um, this show apparently, I'm reading the outline, but this show is um, on for 32 episodes from 1965 to 1966. And yeah, yes, it's weird. So, so uh, uh, now, yeah, go ahead. Okay, ask your question. <laughs> so, first of all, it's the, the whole show is there's no actors in, in it, like bodies, it's right. all puppets. Now, Correct. my question was going to be. What is the definition of a marionette? Because I thought marionettes were the ones that had strings. Yep. And I would have just called these straight up puppets. What so, is, or is there a difference? Yeah. So, uh,
0: damn it. I didn't look up puppetry on Wikipedia, <laughs> which I should have done.
1: Um, but, okay. And here's another thing I'll say right off the top. If you're looking for a puppet-based Entertainment. I <laughs> would recommend something more like the, like something that's also bad like this. I would recommend <laughs> more along the lines of the Puppet Master movies because um, while those are bad, they are very bad, <laughs> most of them. I don't think um, I've seen even one. Oh, I do recommend checking out at least one or two. It gets very convoluted, but the thing that makes those ones watchable is there's there's some good puppet action but you've also got humans to like balance it out. <laughs> yes. So you're not watching a full-length feature of something that is just puppets. Right. So
0: okay, so th- I think now is a good time to <laughs> reveal that part of the reason I chose this show is because I find marionettes specifically disturbing within the puppet realm. Okay. Um
1: then maybe you pu- wouldn't like puppet master,
0: <laughs> um, and part of the reason why I fear truly I'm afraid of marionettes specifically is hmm. because do you remember at our grandma's house like oh my God. uh the big fancy house, and so
1: there was a bedroom the on big the second fancy uh, house? I'm already lost, <laughs> like Bob and Grandma's original oh, house, yeah, okay, okay, okay. So, there was a bedroom
0: that I typically slept in there that in the closet was
1: a marionette. Whoa, they had some creepy stuff. I'll say it right off. They did have some creepy stuff. And I mean, mom still has the creepy woman, like, yeah, painting that they had. Yes. Um, With the string through her mouth. It's all about string people. Yeah. And that old house. Wait, I don't remember the marionette in the closet though, but I do remember one and I can't remember whose house it was at. It wasn't a marionette per se, but there was one type of weird thing that got, it was like a wooden thing. (laughs) What a weird memory I just had. And I don't even, I can't even place it, but um, there was a weird wooden, I guess, puppet thing and it would like hang. And if you pulled the string down, its arms and its legs went up and down. Yeah. Do you remember this? Uh,
0: I, I might, but like the one I, so what I'm remembering is that there used to be a marionette hanging in the closet, the closet where little kids know that monsters live anyway in darkness, but in daylight, there was this equally disturbing (laughs) marionette that was like, I think she was maybe meant to be like Annie Oakley or something because she had guns, Mm. each of her hands, each one had a gun in it
1: whoa, you've got to watch Puppet Master.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, that just reminds maybe me. Maybe
1: I don't need I think to you watch do. it. I,
0: um, I think but, you do. But so this was like, I was like, oh, I have this like kind of childhood fear. Maybe I need some exposure therapy. Maybe watching Thunderbirds <laughs> is the way to work through I don't. This. <laughs> I have a feeling this didn't work. Um, it didn't work, but it didn't make anything worse because these did not
1: creep me out
0: I was just more puzzled I guess Um, yeah they're not
1: scary it's just yeah it's odd it's puzzling and I'll be honest I like 100% didn't understand the story of this episode okay I will I think I can at least help there but like so
0: I'll explain a little bit about the production here so in the case of Thunderbirds, which is a British TV series, um, they even say in the credits that they're using something called super marionation. Um, I didn't notice that. And so, super marionation—I learned via Wikipedia, at least the Wikipedia page of this TV show—that um, super marionation means that um, you enhance normal marionette puppetry. Um, with electronics somehow. Oh okay. um, so like there were a few moments in this episode where I could see the strings of the different really? marionettes. They were clear. Ooh. They were like fishing twine looking. Yeah yeah. Um but huh. there were occasionally like just a handful of times. Like when um God, who is it? I guess it's Alan does the spacewalk to rescue people. Like Oh
1: when he as- goes when he flies out out.
0: Yes, so when he was, like, leaving his ship, there was just, like, between the lighting and the color of Thunderbird 2, you could see the little strings attached to him. And I think what the electronic part is is because, you know, like, um, with real marionettes, I think you basically have, like, one set of strings that you hold with one hand, and that kind of moves the arms of the Mm -hmm. puppet. And then you have another... handle with strings that are attached to the legs and that, and then you kind of move the puppet that way. Um, but I think the electronic part of this is that rather than having a human being manipulate the marionette, they probably have little machines so that the movement is like more smooth and then presumably quote unquote more realistic is my guess. Huh? Okay. Okay. Because, like, that's the other thing that creeps me out about marionettes is the herky-jerkiness of
1: their yeah. movements,
0: right? <laughs> um, like, it looks like your favorite person, Vincent D'Onofrio, when he's in the Edgar suit. They they all look like <laughs> that.
1: I put my hands on my head. I like this. <laughs> that's um, my favorite line. Um, great. It was excellently done. <laughs> perfect. I love Vincent D'Onofrio and that. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it, it is, it is disconcerting. I mean, puppets in general are kind of, yeah. I, yeah. And I
0: don't know, like the fact that there is such a thing as puppet master. And then I would also expand that <laughs> out to child's play. And like, there are tropes about dolls and toys, like being malevolent, right? Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't totally know where that comes from, but it's
1: clearly like a very deep seated fear amongst humanity. Oh yeah. Because anything that is inanimate that you then, you know, give, uh, personification, I guess, becomes creepy because it's like you're, it's almost like you're inviting something to possess it <laughs> yeah right? like, I think
0: also because like a lot of um this is true of marionettes but also like baby dolls you know like when it's one of those kind of dolls where when it lays down its eyes shut but as soon as you pick it up yeah its eyes are open and the way yeah. they open is that very kind of like weird Creepy not way. natural <laughs> way <laughs> yeah um, and they make that I, little
1: sound that's like blink
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, you mean when the eyes make the click when they open? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know exactly. This is
1: riveting <laughs> podcast material. You know, guys, <laughs> you know when you have that baby doll and the eyes just go plink?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I do know that
1: noise.
0: And yeah. And it's really uncool. But um, so anyway, let's turn our attention a little more to specifically... The Thunderbirds, because yeah. what I've learned is that this is actually a big cult, like classic, which well, is unsurprising. I have a question.
1: I'm sorry, I have a question already. Again, okay. Um, is there's also a thing called Thundercats, and I don't know if that's before this or after this. And it's I feel after. Like it's, it's based on this, though, right? Like it's kind of making fun of this, or has some. Stuff from this because they said the thunderbirds are go thing, and I think they say thunder cats are go too.
0: I mean, maybe they do, but I don't. If there's any connection between thunderbirds and thundercats, I think it would be a kind of homage, like a loving
1: homage, yeah, yeah, because yeah. this
0: because thundercats doesn't come out till the '80s. Okay, okay, um, That's,
1: oh, okay. I wasn't sure of the timing, but
0: thunderbirds is um, a beloved cult series. Hmm. And, I mean, it has all the things you would expect of a cult series in the sense, or a cult anything, which is, like, it's very weird. Not everybody (laughs) gets it. Um, Mm -hmm. Not everybody is going to get it. It's not going to be for everyone. You know, these are often kind of elements that make a cult hit versus a kind of mega blockbuster sort of thing. Um, And the marionette
1: of it all, I think, is part of the reason or maybe oh it's, my the gosh, whole 100% reason it's the hundred percent for that. I think it is definitely the whole reason. Because I think if this, ex, like, literally exact same script was done with live action, um, I'm not saying it would have automatically been, like, award-winning, but it would have had a totally different feel. I would have still probably hated it. Yeah. But... Um, well, I, I think, think it if it
0: a- had had people, it would have been exceptionally boring.
1: <laughs> right, right. And maybe that's why, like, because I don't feel like I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that is right. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about how this
0: all came to pass. Because, in mm-hmm. fact, um, this series is created by a husband and wife team um, who eventually divorced but are married at the time. Their, name are Jer- their names are Jerry and Sylvia Anderson, Mm -hmm. And in fact, this was the fifth show that they had done using super marionation. That was a term and a technology that they, like, created. Um, The first show that they did was called Four Feather Falls. Then there was something called Supercar. Um, Hmm. Then Fireball XL5. And then Stingray. All of them involving marionettes. Um, And then this is the fifth uh, series that they do. Um, It probably is the... I think this one probably has the biggest impact and the most staying power. Um, And in fact, it was doing extremely well in the UK. And Hmm. so there was some attempts. Uh, basically, what caused the show to collapse in after only thirty-two episodes was that um, they were trying to make the jump into the U.S. market,
1: hmm.
0: um, and that didn't come through. Ultimately, it sounds like they had a kind of, um, as is often the case, like a, a person who was like their manager but wasn't actually good at his job, um, and so that deal fell through, which then caused the show. To stop, um, because one of the other things that um, probably is like implicit in this is it's it's
1: really expensive to do this, mm-hmm. right? Like expensive and time consuming. And, yeah, very time consuming, I would think. Um, so you really need quite a,
0: a bit of capital to keep the whole thing going. And when the yeah. American deal fell through, it was like the whole show had to kind of close up shop. Um, Damn, Americans. We but everybody's it, it, I know, but it didn't kind of stop the Andersons because then they have a different series um, of Super Marionation called Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons, Myster- maybe is how it's pronounced, that runs from 67 Whoa. to 68. It also only has about 30 or 32 episodes, similar kind of situation. But um, Thunderbirds specifically seems to strike a chord because. Um, There have been a number of different attempts at reboots and movies. So um, Thunderbirds ends early 66. Thunderbirds are go. The first full length movie is out in December of 1966. Um, There's a follow up movie called Thunderbirds six in 1968. Mm. Um, And then since 1968, there have been at least two animated reboots where, it's a TV series in animation, um, and then there's a, also been a live action movie um, where Bill Paxton plays the kind of main dad character in huh. 2004. Um, hmm. So, so like it is a cult situation, but it's it's like I would say one of the least. Culty of the cult things. Like a lot of people know about this. It wasn't hard for us to find, you know, like. Yeah, I watched um, it on YouTube actually. Oh, it's also just on Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, it's in one of their free
1: whatevers
0: as well. Um, So that is kind of the backstory to the series and where it fits into Jerry and Sylvia Anderson's career. Um, In terms of what the overall premise of the show is, I will just read you the IMDb description, which says, in either the year 2026 or 2065, I don't know why there's such a big (laughs) jump there, um, the Tracy family run International Rescue, a top-secret organization whose ongoing mission is to rescue people trapped in extraordinarily dangerous situations. And they do these rescues in the Thunderbirds. So there are five Thunderbirds in this first series of show. That's why Thunderbird 6 is the movie, because they've added a new machine. Mm -hmm. Um, And so each member of the Tracy family typically flies one of the Thunderbirds.
1: I did not understand that they were a family.
0: <laughs> yeah, they are I, a family. Um, they're the Tracy family, and the dad is named Jeff Tracy, and he has okay. five sons. I guess maybe the mom must be dead. I'm not totally sure about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and his I was five wondering sons, why their names
1: were all Tracy. I was like, what's going on here? Yeah.
0: It so <laughs> it Jeff p- Tracy. Jeff Tracy is an astronaut, former astronaut. And Mm -hmm. then he and his five sons run this international rescue organization together, Hmm. but he's like the Hmm. boss of them all, unsurprisingly. Um, And then for those of you who are like, okay, well, I guess whatever. How is this science fiction, and why are you guys talking about it? Um, The reason is because it's this set in the future thing, yeah, Um, and it is understood to be a science fiction show. Like, if there's and any there genre some, that this falls into, apparently it's science fiction.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there was, like... I I guess this is part of the, how I was confused about what the actual story was of this episode. But, like, they were in space a little bit at some point? Yes. Like, okay. Yes, they were definitely
0: in space. And that's a, an important...
1: That's a major component to the story of this episode. I, I'm telling you, I had, like, if you... If I was supposed to do a report on this episode and I didn't, like have any help from like your notes or anything, I would fail because I like <laughs> couldn't tell you what the heck happened. Um. So, okay, let's
0: talk a little bit about the cast. And I mean a very little bit because none of these people who voice um the characters are people that um really like none about. of their names really rang a bell and they weren't in things that were super recognizable to me. But I do yeah. think that it's interesting that most, uh, pretty much all of the people who are doing voice work for this series, this is the only time they do voice work. Like, they're mm. in front-of-camera actors most of the time but oh. for this show,
1: um, hm. which seems like an interesting situation, and I'm not really sure. I bet sure. they thought it was going to be super successful, maybe, and be like this, like... I don't know. It's That's interesting. I don't know. I mean, they might not have necessarily thought it was going to be
0: successful, but they certainly were like, this is, like, really a new kind of thing, and maybe I want to participate in it, right? Like, um, so it, I was not able to glean what kind of um, motivated people to be a part of this. Yeah. Um, but so, again, we'll see here, because this is a British series – All of the actors are part of the British Commonwealth world of um, whatever the British equivalent of Hollywood would be. Um, And in fact, Sylvia Anderson, one of the creators of the show, is one of the voices for the characters. Um, She In this episode, she voices... Um, the woman who works at, in the very first scene where we're seeing like a control computer room. Um, mm-hmm. She plays Professor Mitchell, but she mostly voices the character named Lady Penelope, who who does not make an appearance in this episode, but who is mm-hmm. a very beloved character from what I was able to infer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then... Next we have, so we're just going to get through this just so we have the names of the characters we're talking
1: about, because this was something that was really hard for me in the watching of it to know people's names. Literally no idea. When you Um, go through this and say people's names, I will say, what did that puppet look like?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So Professor Professor Mitchell is a kind of low hanging fruit character in this episode. Mm -hmm. Then we have the characters Rick O'Shea and, uh, John Tracy who are voiced by the same guy, um, whose name is Ray Barrett. And in fact, Mm -hmm. it's an Australian actor, um, Mm -hmm. who was working in the UK as an actor for probably like 15 to 20 years. And then ultimately returned back to Australia in the early seventies and then continued Mm -hmm. working there. Um, Mm -hmm. in terms of, Something weird about this cast is they were all in a show, or a lot of them were in a show called Murder Bag, and I don't even know what that
1: is. I want to watch it.
0: Is it like,
1: is it about some...
0: Is it like someone carries a bag that's a toolkit that allows you to murder things? Like, is it like, I got my zip ties, I got my bone saw, I got my silencer for my handgun, it's all in my murder bag. That is I don't hilarious.
1: Know. I love it. I, <laughs> I absolutely love it. Whatever it is, I love it. It doesn't even yes. matter if it's like...
0: Or is it like, cause you know how, um, like in the sixties and seventies, people would say, that's not my bag, meaning like it's, it's not this my show, thing. I just looked
1: it up. This show is from like the late fifties. Ah, what, what does it mean? And it's like a 30 minute, a 30 minute. It seems like <laughs> maybe it's like a comedy. What is happening? It's a, oh wait, no, I want to know the plot. I, but it's British. It's like a British TV series. Murder bag, but I'm also finding. Oh, oh! I think it changed its name to No Hiding Place. Murder bag and crime sheet are considered lost television. What's going on? Um, (coughs) it was. Oh, oh! It was the sequel to the series Murder Bag. Oh, damn it! I want to know what the heck. Well, anyway, we don't need. to I think whatever we're imagining.
0: Yeah, whatever we're imagining is probably more fun than what it is, would be my guess. Um, Yeah. But there was also another show that Ray Barrett was in that a number of other uh, actors were also in called Ghost Squad.
1: Now, that sounds
0: good, too. (laughs) I know. I was like, what could companion and pair better with Witch's Court than
1: Ghost Squad? Oh, my God. Witch's Court, Ghost Squad, and Murder Bag. Now, that's a lineup right there. Oh,
0: man. Like, NBC primetime, mid-1990s. Mussy TV. Start with Murder Bag, then move on to Ghost Squad, and then finish
1: up with Witch's Court. Like And perfect let me tell you, programming. That, is like, that is like the most white lady TV programming ever, <laughs> but I'm like in it. I'm like in it 100%. The only way it could be whiter if it was also like
0: crystal readings, like there yes. have to be okay, something wait. with crystals or like, wi- like not witch's court, but like something like quote
1: unquote spiritual in the mix. Yeah, yeah. So this is, okay, I found murder Bank. <laughs> So it's um, he was a, a detective, superintendent Tom Lockhart of Scotland Yard. Lockhart was assisted in his investigations by a different police officers each week, but always present. <laughs> Oh, Oh man, keep reading. I got to know what's so funny. But always present was the, quote, murder bag, a black leather briefcase used on murder inquiries, which contained 42 items of equipment needed to gather forensic evidence. So you were kind of right. Interesting. I had the opposite side of that scenario. Oh, right, right. The stuff to murder, not the stuff to investigate murder. Oh, my God. Items in the bag range from airtight jars to tweezers, and each week it was called into play in pursuit of yet another murderer.
0: <laughs> oh, my That's God. Great. I love
1: that. That's
0: great. I mean, maybe I got to find a couple episodes Holy and watch it. I do need shit. a new 30-minute show, so that might be... I bet be... you it's hard to find. I'm guessing it's it hard to find. Is. Because
1: it seems. I think it was short-running. Oh man, that that's seems funny. right. Um, yeah, so they, he was in anyway. that. Then <laughs> we move on to the
0: character named Jeff Tracy. So that is the main dad, um, mm-hmm. who also doesn't make much appearance in this episode. And that's played by an actor named Peter Dinley, um, who was also in Ghost Squad, for oh, example. Um, then we have a woman who voices two characters who appear in this episode Tintin, I think, Kirano, maybe, or Cyrano, maybe. Mm -hmm. It's spelled with a K, but then the rest is Cyrano, so I'm not sure. And I also don't know what ethnicity that character is supposed to be. Um, Um, Yeah, it's a little ambiguous, but... Yeah, um, I would say vaguely Asian, if I had to pick. Um, And then she also voices the character Grandma Tracy, who appears for a brief second. Mm. And that actor is named Christine Finn. And the most interesting thing I felt about her was that so she's born in India in 1929, and that's when India is still part of the British Raj. So, like, that's when it's like deep colonialism of India because India doesn't become independent until 1946. Um, Oh, wow. I
1: didn't even know that.
0: So, I mean, so that is like why I think this white lady is doing this weird quasi. Ethnic accent because she's like mm. I'm from India and I know how brown mm-hmm. people sound like somehow mm-hmm. like something weird yeah. is there yeah um, then we have an actor who na- who voices a number of characters in this episode he voices Gordon Tracy brains brains great name great name uh, and Loman <laughs> and the actor is David Graham. He's also in Murder Bag, just so we oh, know. Oh, my God. Um, and then he also worked with the Andersons in their previous show, Four Feather Falls. Um, he also was one of the earliest actors to do voice work for Doctor Who, um, the original mm-hmm. iteration of Doctor Who. Um, he was a party guest in one of my favorite weird ass movies, Supergirl, the 1984 <laughs> Supergirl movie. Oh, yeah. I remember um, that one. And then most recently, this he, he turned out to be, I think in a sense, kind of the biggest person involved in this. He currently voices Grandpa Pig from Peppa Pig.
1: Oh, hey. It's yeah. Peppa Pig, is that British? That is, yes. right?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's continued to be beloved as a voice actor. How cute. Um, then we have Scott Tracy. So all these different name of Tracy they're all the sons
1: um yeah I, I did not key into that
0: <laughs> so Scott Tracy is played by a Canadian actor named Shane Rimmer um and he's been in a bunch of stuff including Ghost Squad and most Im- kind of impressive to me is he apparently was also in Space Truckers which we've oh, talked man, that's about. <laughs> very funny As a much older man, but he was in that movie as well. Um, The final two characters uh, there's, well, there's three actually, I guess, but voiced by two different actors. There's Mm -hmm. Virgil Tracy and a guy named Power, um, and that's done by Jeremy Wilkin. Um, And then finally, there's Alan Tracy, who's voiced by Matt Zimmerman, another Canadian. Um, and Matt Zimmerman went on to be part of some strange series of movies that involve a character named tea bag, um, Whoa. like tea period bag, um, like tea pain, but tea bag. <laughs> yes. And when I tried to figure out what it was, I couldn't really, but all I know is it seems to be some sort of Canadian kids
1: programming. How strange.
0: Yeah. It's a very weird, very weird sitch. Um, so that is who we kind of need to know more or less to try and understand the story we're about to talk about. Um, we're going to have to try
1: hard. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> so... The story began, well the episode begins as we would expect with the credit sequence, which is one of the most lasting elements of this show because people know the Thunderbirds song and in fact when I told James that we were talking about this, he showed me a video that was called Thunderbirds are go. Um that really? was a more recent thing somebody had made a song about. Huh. Um but the main kind of thing about this Credit thing, which admittedly is pretty cool, as it starts with um, the launch sequence of like five, four, mm-hmm. three, two, one. Thunderbirds are go. Um, so that is very fun, admittedly, uh, and I I was very engaged in that part of it. I also yeah. thought the credits were funny
1: because they show credits for the puppets. Yeah, I loved that. Well, and that's when I first, <laughs> I first was like, wait, I, I it took me a minute to be like, are these the actor names or the puppet names? And then when they were all named something Tracy, I was like, no, these are the puppets' names. What is happening? Yes.
0: <laughs> well, and because it does the function that credits. When there used to be longer credit sequences than there are now, they would like tell you part of the story because it would say, like, John Tracy. And then I think it would say next to it, like, pilot, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And brains would say scientist, (laughs) like
1: stuff like that.
0: So it was like meant to help you understand before you even watch the show, like, who are these characters and like what's going on. And in addition to explaining that everything is shot in Super Marionation, the credits also say that this TV show is shot in something called Vidicolor. Whatever. Which, when I looked that up, that's basically like saying something is filmed in Technicolor. um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, again, would have been very new at this point. Because, like, if you think back to our Jetsons episode and how that was the first all color broadcast that I want to say ABC did mm-hmm. We're right in that moment, those mid sixties moments where stuff is being shot in color and sometimes broadcast in color, but sometimes kind of broadcast, however. Um, so this, that marks this transitional moment to just getting to complete color broadcast probably by the, I think probably that's happening by the end of the sixties. Um, and then we get the title card that explains that this particular episode is called Ricochet. And for the longest time I was like Ricochet and then there's the character called Ricochet. Yeah. in the thing. And I was like what I th- I thought it was supposed to be a clever play on words but I don't think it's that clever and I don't think it's a play on words. Like Really? Well, because nothing ricochets
1: in this. That's true. But he had that button that said ricochet and they kept Well, kept that was like it. because
0: these are morning shock jocks but of space, that was just like ah. his catchphrase, ricochet because he's Ricochet. All right. I think <sighs> we'll get to it, but I think yeah, that's what's already happening. lost. But yeah. <laughs> okay. So now um In terms of how visually how this looks, um, we finish up the credits and then we have this very long, like, um, kind of shot of a control room Mm -hmm. with old timey computers, with buttons, with funny, like, beep blop blorp sounds coming Mm -hmm. because the sound of computing is very important to hear. Um, and then finally, I mean, I will say like, uh, oh yeah, but e- yeah. And we're also getting, there's a, even before that, there's like a long shot of like a base where a launch is happening of a oh, rocket yeah. and you get this like panoramic shot of that where we go like across the whole base and then we go into the control room, like presumably of the same base. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sets the tone For the episode in terms of a lot of, like, visual with no dialogue. Yeah. And sometimes not even music. Like, just quiet looking at images. (laughs) Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, I did
1: find the show very calming in a way. But, like... I mean, it's a great background show because, like... You, you're not going to get much out of
0: it. But <laughs> no. And I do like, I feel like it might've been popular with people in the sixties who were like really high and <laughs> like, therefore could couldn't that. like, couldn't hold on to a lot of like, there couldn't be like a lot of plot and yeah. there couldn't be a lot of like actual action. So it's just like a lot, but like the visuals are interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're doing with marionettes, every visual is interesting. Um, True. And like a lot of, even
1: like the sets uh, were kind of interesting to me because they, they had the look of like dioramas. That's exactly what I was thinking. And they it was kind of fun in my brain to think about like these little sets they built that were probably just little miniatures. And then they, you know, used them to make it look like... That little set where they have like palm trees and stuff like that. Um, They must be just little miniatures or like toys that they, (laughs) right? Yeah, I
0: think so. Well, maybe not miniature, miniature, but built to some kind of scale where it's obviously not life size, but it's like, you know, it has to be the size that makes the marionettes look like they're people. (laughs) Right. So whatever size
1: that is. Whatever size that is.
0: (laughs) Um, So we arrive in the control room. And Professor Mitchell, uh, and we know she's a professor because she's wearing a lab coat, so that's important. Um, (laughs) She's talking with this character named Power about this upcoming launch, and I'm not totally sure if Power is somehow connected to the Tracys, or if this is just kind of It's incidental, and these are just other people living in the world of Thunderbirds. I'm not totally sure about that. Um, And they're preparing for an upcoming rocket launch. Mm -hmm. And this is, wait, is this where? Okay, yeah. Then we go to the secret island where the International Rescue Organization, run by Jeff Tracy and his sons, uh, exists. And this is another very cool, like, again, maybe it's a miniature. We don't totally know where they show this like mountain coming out of the sea. And that's the secret Island where they all Mm -hmm. hang out. Mm -hmm. Um, and we begin by seeing Jeff Tracy, the patriarch of the family, talking with brains about Mm -hmm. how he misses the good old days of space exploration Um, which if this is in the 2060s, I guess he's probably referring to like the 2030s or something. Mm. Um, and if it's the 2020s, then he's talking about the 1980s, I guess, you know? Um, yeah. But I think if I remember correctly, this basically he's saying like in the olden days, you really had to know your stuff and like work in a certain way. But now like the machines are doing a lot of the thinking. I feel like that's what was being said But it doesn't really matter because their conversation is interrupted because Tintin is listening to her TV extremely loudly and Jeff is getting (laughs) sidetracked from his old man rant by hearing uh, youthful music. And what she's watching, what she's listening to, is a broadcast by, uh, I don't know what KLA, if you'd call it a network or what, um, But it's a broadcast featuring a space DJ
1: <laughs> called... What? That's what he is, isn't he? I know. That's what I was... I think that's like one of the first things I was confused about. I was like, they're trying to rescue like a, a floating um, like television show. I didn't understand. I was like, what is this? Well, we'll get there shortly in just
0: a second. So okay, she okay. loves this a particular space dj called ricochet um and that's why where his catchphrase comes from he says ricochet and then there's a we soon eventually see that he's got a button in his recording studio that says ricochet and mm-hmm. then you get a ricochet sound um so he's super annoying <laughs> obviously um and then jeff in particular is really irritated because he says that KLA is a pirate broadcasting satellite, um, Mm -hmm. which means that they've like KLA has just launched this satellite without kind of um, certification or like, you know, like no one knows exactly where it is that it's broadcasting from. Mm -hmm. And from Jeff's perspective, he's like, there's already so many satellites around the earth. These people who do this pirate broadcasting thing are endangering everyone because their vehicles aren't registered with like the international space control. And so if anything were to ever go wrong, you know, this is a big problem. And so that's what he is. He's part, like KLA is a pirate television station. Does that make sense? sure (laughs) you don't sound convinced
1: i mean like as much as it can make sense i guess it makes sense um it's also worth mentioning that like that's actually timely to the
0: 1960s because in the 1960s there were radio stations that were pirate radio stations which is to say they weren't official radio stations but they would find ways to broadcast on unused radio frequencies um, I did not know and that. Yeah, it was it was really popular amongst like the youth of the nineteen sixties to mm-hmm. and they were called sometimes they were called pirate stations because they would literally be on a boat, like going around. Oh, um, whoa. But they would just they would broadcast from different locations because what they would want to do is like play songs that were banned from kind of official radio stations, or maybe they had political views that were not getting kind of like public recognition, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of interesting in the sense that this, as always, uh, this science fiction tells us more about the time that it's made
1: rather than what the actual the future is pretending to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so
0: that's the situation. And I also really like, I always love when people try to imagine what future teen talk will be because at <laughs> one point Tin Tin, she really likes Ricochet and she says, isn't he just minty? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay.
1: I remember that too. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means. Um, that is very funny. And the truth is we're never going to know because you would never guess the stuff that the next generation will like grab onto. And it also, yeah, there's no way. Just don't even try.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, it's fun. I like, I enjoy the attempt, but I'm also like, this is so silly. Like we're never, who knows? I don't even know what the kids say now. Um, let alone what they might say in 25 years, like forget it. Did you know that middle parts are in? I did learn that from the internet
1: just this week and I felt personally attacked. It's (laughs) the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like I don't care what I've seen some like older people on the internet, not older people our age on the internet, like trying to do the middle part and they're like, what's going on? This is, this looks bad. Um, and it only looks good on very certain people, which is always what the well, style is. It's right. Like, the whole reason this,
0: and that's my immediate response when I heard this whole middle part thing, I'm like, the reason why older people part their hair to the side is that your face starts getting fat.
1: And when you part it down the middle, <laughs> like it really <laughs> accentuates that. Well, no, actually, what's funny is, well, I mean... To me, that's just, my personal take on it like, i don't see I don't know I don't know about that. I think it just looks silly like it looks dorky to me because that's like when we were young that's what we said like middle parts were dorky but like yeah. the actually I think a middle part, depending on your um hair can make your hair- i mean make your face possibly look skinnier because it kind of cuts your face hmm. um but It's just, I just don't, whatever, (laughs) totally off topic, but I don't like it. All of y'all out there who are young, no one who listens to this, middle parts are not (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) I don't don't like it. Like basically I say, do what
1: you want with whatever, but don't necessarily think you look cool while you're doing it. Um, And it's going to be out of style next, whenever, and then it's going to be something else. Like I remember when the zigzag part was in. Okay. So like. Oh yeah. I
0: mean, I gave up years ago actually trying to manage where my part was because (laughs) of my unruly curly hair. And so I just go with what I guess might be described as natural. And by natural, it's just like whatever my hair is going to do.
1: That, that day. Yes, and that's um, the other so thing, sometimes like, that holy hair might, doesn't really apply to, I don't think. No, because- sometimes
0: that might be more in the middle, sometimes that might be more on one side or another, but sure. it's just like that's what that's what's happening yeah. with this. Mm-hmm. Like nothing else. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, I mean let's face it, people it because everyone involved in this. Thunderbirds thing was in their late 30s and early 40s and they're, <laughs> they're in like, the 1960s kids. and they're trying to think about what a teenager would say yeah. in, like a hundred years later. So it didn't yeah. work
1: out great. Um, then no, it we worked oh, out perfect. Kids say minty now when they yeah. mean someone's I mean, hot. I might start saying minty just to be completely
0: <laughs> unintelligible and people will be like, what does that mean? And I'm like, you'll you just have, have, have to, to it up. figure it out. <laughs> However you want. Um, so then we're carried into the KLA satellite and Rick and his sound engineer, but also his actual engineer. Cause R- Loman is the only one who knows about running the satellite too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, or like being in space mm-hmm. and, um, they really hate each other for reasons unknown. Um, <laughs> And so, there, so we see a scene where they're kind of backing and forthing at each other. And then we return to the control room where Professor Mitchell and Power are having this very, like, I, I know I texted you about this, but I felt like there was weird sexual tension between marionettes, which was a weird oh, really? experience for me to have because mm. um, Professor Mitchell, like, she comes back into the room where Power is monitoring the launch that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And she says, your transfer has gone through. Won't you be excited to leave? And then he's like, D- he's like, well,
1: there are some things I'll miss. Like,
0: it's very weird.
1: Oh, was that <laughs> like, when they did like a weird long pause? Like, and like, just yes, the puppets face, which is Yes, also And weird they, were doing like, clo- they were doing like, they were doing close ups on their puppet faces, which is a weird choice because, hey, guys, I'm not sure if anyone's aware, but puppets don't make faces. <laughs>
0: like, Well, and definitely not these ones. Like, yeah, there are many. We've seen many puppets that do are and are made to make facial expressions. These yeah. ones, the most movement in their face is like their lower jaw. Like they have yeah, is their
1: mouth opening a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, they have that capability, but they don't really yeah. have anything else. And so it was like they were trying to emphasize that the two of them were like looking at each other with meaning by doing close-ups on the faces of the marionettes who were not making faces, but... Super weird choice. I (laughs) still picked up on the tension. I was like, ooh, I think these people are like ships in the night. And they were were supposed to fall in love, but somehow they didn't fall in love. And now he's leaving and their chance to fall in love is over. Oh (laughs) no, did you start getting sad? I didn't start getting sad. I was just so confused. I was like, how long are we just going to have silence and two puppets looking at each other? Like... How many The answer minutes?
1: is too long. The answer it is. long? I mean, it
0: was easily a full 60 seconds, which is much longer than you think it is, like, when you're watching it, I will say.
1: So... Oh, then I found the myself launch... over and over looking at how much time was left in the entire episode,
0: I'll say. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, my God. Then the launch begins, and almost immediately as the launch happens, so the rocket is, like, shooting off into space the computers start reporting a problem to power and professor Mitchell. And they're like trying to fix it, trying to fix it. And this is where this cool part that you liked was happening quite a lot. Do you remember? No, I did not like this. (laughs) I did not. Why don't you
1: explain what it was that you didn't care for in this bit? Well, I think this is, I didn't read, I am not looking, I wasn't looking at your outline just now, but, um, this they oh, I don't even I'm not sure how they could have like done this another way I'm not that creative but we're talking about puppets here and they kept doing close-ups on their hands correct and their hands, hands moving little dials or like working on a computer pressing a button that sort right, of thing. right or like oh, picking up a drink at one point I remember oh like, yeah um <laughs> And here's the deal. They weren't puppet hands. They were human no. hands and like human-sized hands. Um, Correct. So very, very off-putting. Because um, it and, was like a full screen close-up where you see yeah. like the computer
0: panel with some words maybe of like what the thing is they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And then just like a hand from maybe wrist up, like a real human hand. <laughs> to Yeah. Eat. It was, was also only ever a single hand. It was never,
1: like, two hands doing something yeah. together. Yeah, it was so, so weird. And, I like, every time they did it, I was like, did I just... Wait, did I just see a human hand? What's going on? I had to rewind this when I first
0: saw it, too, because I was like, is that... Oh, it is. <laughs> so weird. Um. So, interesting choices all around. And then... Um, in, so power and professor Mitchell ultimately are not able to fix whatever is wrong with this rocket. And so then they contact international space control and power Obviously. reports. Yes, you got to. Um, so that, cause that's where all of the various satellites and other space, uh, like Ephemera. I don't know what's up in space in the 2060s. Um, But they're the ones who monitor it per what Jeff Tracy said a minute ago. So they call up and Power says there's been a a malfunction with our launch and I need permission to destroy the rocket before something really goes wrong. And um, then ISC is like, yep, just give us a minute to make sure, like based on the trajectory of the rocket, that what you the kind of missile that you launch at it is not going to affect any of our other satellites. And we can already see where this is going because up in <laughs> KLA satellite, Loman and Rick are like talking about something and they happen to mention that their satellite is 1.28 miles, I think, above the earth, but I'm not totally sure about that. Uh huh. And then we cut back to the International Space Control, and they tell Power that he's got clearance to destroy the rocket, the rogue rocket, and they say, take care of it at 1.28 miles, and we're like, "Uh uh-oh. This is the problem. (laughs) I know. Um, So then Power indeed does launch a missile to destroy the rocket. And he does effectively destroy the rocket. So I think this is like maybe the the first explosion in this episode. Um, And it's an explosion done with miniatures Mm -hmm. um, in space. There's quite a lot of miniatures in space in this one. Um, And as the rocket is blown up, the KLA station is also passing by the explosion and gets damaged. I guess maybe from some debris of the rocket Mm -hmm. kind of blowing apart. Mm -hmm. And so then we jump to inside the KLA satellite and we see Loman and Rick get like rocked by the explosion. And, you know... In all shows where you know that actors have to, like, the camera or the actors are the ones moving to make it look like the ship's been jostled, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's already kind of funny when you really think about it, that there, <laughs> that there are, like, three or four or ten people, like, all jutting to the right at the same <laughs> moment. Mm-hmm. But when puppets do it, uh, yeah, it's real funny to me. Yeah. Um, and they're really like kind of banged up by this because then the two of them end up kind of like on the ground semi passed out and then they like kind of come to <laughs> and Loman is like I think something's wrong with our satellite well, you think? I better Yeah, I probably is the answer to that. Um and he's like I better go check it out. And for some reason that I never understood, um Rick is like fuck that We've got a broadcast to do, and Loma is like the
1: radio is important.
0: Well, I I, look—we're podcasters. I know the importance of generating (laughs) content, Amy. Um, But I wouldn't do it like I wouldn't be sitting here like I'm looking out my window and I'm seeing very intense snow and whiteout conditions. I wouldn't be like on the road while also podcasting in this weather because people have to have their content.
1: You should. You should. You <laughs> absolutely. You're not committed enough then.
0: Probably not. No. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, they go back to broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back on the secret island, uh, Jeff calls... Uh, His son, John, who is manning Thunderbird 5 and is asking about its maintenance schedule. And John says that Thunderbird 5 is going in for some sort of maintenance thing. And so as a result, we'll be out of commission for the next three hours. And that's important for later. Um, We also get to see in the same like fancy house where all of them live, Tintin is listening to Rick's broadcast that he insisted that they do, Mm -hmm. and Tintin and Alan are fighting because Alan is actually, like, jealous that Tintin likes this TV personality. (laughs) Um, But my favorite part of this interchange is not the weird sexual tension between Tintin and Alan, but rather the brief attempt where they try to make it look like Tintin is dancing.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. Do you remember that? Kind of. Like, I think I looked up and was like, what is happening?
0: She's like doing this weird. It's just (laughs) a, it's like a jostling or like a jiggling. It looks like a puppet trying to
1: dance, maybe.
0: Yeah. Jiggling isn't right because puppets don't have fat that can jiggle. So maybe wiggling is a way to describe (laughs) it. But it's like, I saw that and I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> um but anyway, then we return back into the satellite and Loman again is like, "Rick, like so we've done the broadcast and I really need to check the damage to our satellite." And Rick is like, "No, I said no. Um we have various broadcasts. Like I'm not sure cuz it's just the two of them on this satellite." Cool. Um how many broadcasts do they got to do? Well, and what I was wondering is, like, so is this a thing where, like, it's... Are they aiming to try and be broadcasting almost 24 hours a day? Um, it's unclear to me if that's what they're aiming for. But, like, Rick is super, like, we got to be broadcasting, basically. So weird. Um, so they have a big kind of dust-up between them about <laughs> this situation. Again... Talking about emotion with puppets it's is weird. really
1: hard to do. Okay, I have, a, uh, like, I have a quick question, and I could save this to the end, but it just like I keep yeah, thinking it Yeah, do in it, my brain. it now. What is, who is this show for? Is this a kids' show? Because I don't think so. But is this an adult yeah. show? Because I also don't think so.
0: I think that it is ultimately meant to be a kids' show.
1: Really? I think they, so. Oh, wow. Because here's a couple of notes. <laughs> it's boring. And number two, it's way too long. Like if the, it is, like the I mean, this show is a, should not be, this, was this like, would be an hour TV show.
0: Yes. It was like a 49 minute episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's way too long. For it is. Tr- like this. I mean, Again, but like this, but
0: maybe it's like a kid show in the sense that it's like for tweens.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, maybe like slightly longer attention span. Um,
1: Someone who's older than 35 then because I couldn't (laughs) pay attention.
0: (laughs) Well, but also like, and we haven't quite gotten there yet, but I think the appeal to kids is like the gadgets and stuff. Yeah.
1: Um, And the actual puppets itself. Right. I mean, you know, the part that I liked the most was their puppet glasses. Their
0: puppet glasses. Oh, yeah. Brains' glasses were pretty great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's the one with the blue glasses, right? Mm hmm. I loved those. And actually, the other ladies were not good. They were not like cool, but I liked them because it was a puppet wearing glasses. Um, Yes. Yes. Yeah, puppet glasses.
0: Um, Yeah. Well, no, just like puppet costumes. Like they all had costume changes.
1: Yeah. I enjoyed the puppet costumes. Um, So then, anyway,
0: more fighting between Loman and Rick happens. And then Loman discovers that the satellite is starting to descend um, into the atmosphere, which, in other words, like it's going to crash into the Earth at some point. Yikes and they do not have the landing parachutes that they need to be able to do that safely. And again, Rick is like super like, he's like Who we cares? got a broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what is this guy's damage? Like why doesn't he Seriously. care about it? His- not only is he a space DJ, he's a suicidal space DJ. Like,
1: dude, don't you realize the broadcast will be over forever if you die? <laughs>
0: like- right. So, then like There's a commercial break, I think, that Mm -hmm. happens. And then we return, we're back in the satellite, and Loman is basically like, I'm going out to check on the damage, I don't care what you say. And so he does, and so we have our first of multiple puppet spacewalks. (laughs) <laughs> um, and this is where I did notice, like, it's the spacewalks, and there was, like, one other, now I can't remember, but the spacewalks in particular are where I noticed the little strings on these okay, that makes sense. puppets. Um, and so he floats out to the side of the satellite, and he discovers basically, like, a big kind of hole in the side of the satellite. Mm-hmm. And he reports to Rick that he needs a laser to fix it, and so he's coming back into the ship to get that laser to do the fix. Um, mm-hmm. But as he's coming back inside, the airlock's inner door, so the, so the airlock needs the outer door out to space, and, it, and then it needs the inner door into the satellite, which has atmos, you know oxygen in it. Mm-hmm. So the inner door jams for some reason. And so then Loman is stuck in the airlock. And unsurprisingly, all evidence points to this already. Rick, though he's in space, and presumably he's been in space for quite some time, he knows nothing about being in space. He can't help <laughs> Loman. He doesn't know how to fix anything. He doesn't understand the mechanics of how his satellite stays circ- like orbiting the Earth. He, he has none of those skills whatsoever. So... Um back on the island, Tintin notices that KLA is no longer broadcasting and she finds that strange because apparently Rick is constantly broadcasting. Like um so Rick then is like I think oh that's what it is. It's because Loman's this this was another really cool thing, is they show a puppet in a spacesuit. I loved that. That was wild too, um, like puppets in puppets with glasses, puppet puppets with hats on, puppets mm-hmm. like all all kinds of accoutrements and accessories, mm-hmm. um, just like real people. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That are was people pretty fun. Too. Um, so Rick realizes that Loman only has so much oxygen while he's in the airlock because he only has the oxygen that his spacesuit has. Um, so he has to open the inner door, but he doesn't know how to do it. And so he decides that he's going to use his powers of broadcasting and magnetism to ask for help. And so he starts broadcasting, saying he's, he, him and his space station or satellite are in trouble. John and Thunderbird 5 gets the message, because I guess Thunderbird 5 is also orbiting the Earth, Okay, So he's like the closest one to get the message first. Mm -hmm. But as we already know, Thunderbird 5 is undergoing maintenance, so it can't come to rescue Rick and Uh Loman. Right. So then, uh, but he does message everybody else at International Rescue, and then down on the island, Jeff sends out Thunderbirds 2 and 3, Thunderbird 2 has Virgil in it um, with uh, Virgil and brains. And Thunderbird 3 has Alan. And so, Mm -hmm. Alan, uh, and this is where uh, we see like a very long, totally silent uh, like montage of the different ships like coming out of the mountain. Yeah. Um and that to me did seem like a thing that would be aimed at kids, right? Because it's like yeah. toys.
1: Right. Well, I mean that's what all this that stuff looked like. It looked like uh, it looked like people playing with toys and like making the move.
0: Yeah, so there's I mean and this is a long sequence of like the the secret mountain base opens up Like, so it looks like the side of the mountain, then it opens up to reveal, like, the garage with all the different Thunderbirds in it. Thunderbirds Mm -hmm. two and three come out, um, and we see them, like, quote unquote, flying through the air and flying through space. Um, And they are sent on different missions. So, Thunderbird Mm -hmm. three is the actual spaceship, and Thunderbird two is. I guess it's like a fighter pilot because it stays in the atmosphere.
1: And so they uh each
0: have a job. Uh So Thunderbird 3, with Alan as the pilot, contacts Rick on the satellite and says, I'm going to come and help you. I'm going to save you both. Um, I'm three minutes away.
1: Get prepared to do a spacewalk. No one is ever three minutes away when they say they are. That's (laughs) always a lie. We all know that. That's true. That's very true. (laughs) Um, So, and specifically, Alan says,
0: I'm going to get there as fast as I can because I can see, just like Lohman said before he almost died, like your satellite is descending into the atmosphere and I can't rescue you once you hit the atmosphere. So I need to Mm. get you before that. And there's only like X amount of time to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so Alan then like, and this, like, not that any of this is real, but like (laughs) Thunderbird three, we, we have a scene where Thunderbird three literally like kind of draws up alongside the descending KLA satellite. And we have like, basically like two little toys on front of a background that looks like someone probably like just Colored like this is what space looks like. And what it really is, is like a black piece of paper with holes poked out of it. Right. <laughs> and then a light from behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're quote unquote flying in space. And Alan does a space walk. And the first thing he does is he collects Loman from the airlock because the airlock has been open from the outside this whole time. So he takes Loman who's basically passed out, brings mm-hmm. him to Thunderbird three and then he's like, Okay, I have to go back for your dumbass boss. <laughs> so he returns back to the KLA satellite and he's like, Okay, um, I'm cutting through the inner door with this laser, and when I and while I'm doing that, please put on your space suit. And Rick is like, No. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't. Yeah, he's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he's like too afraid to do this spacewalk. And he keeps telling Alan that he won't he go do it. Is He's still talking
1: about broadcasting because he's got to give it up.
0: Well, this is what happens. So then we go to commercial and like the commercial leaves with Alan trying to cut through the inner door with his laser. When we come back from commercial, we are in the International Space Control and the guy who is like the main guy uh, there contacts the Tracys down on the island and he says, so now that the satellite is coming into our ability to track it, it's going. we now know that it's going to crash directly into an oil refinery here nice. on the surface. Cool, so cool. another big explosion potentially, like very awesome. damaging to life and what have you.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: not only do we need people to save the people in the satellite, we also need the Tracys to f- adjust this situation with the satellite so it doesn't crash into an oil refinery. And mm-hmm. that's when Thunderbird 2 goes into action and Virgil and Brains are then flying. Uh, we're also told that the refinery is in the Middle East, so they're flying okay. to the Middle East to do something to try and change the trajectory of the satellite. Okay. Um, and in the process of doing that, because they're monitoring what's happening in the satellite, they th- hear Rick still broadcasting and they're like, <laughs> God,
1: he's annoying.
0: Get but they, they keep radioing him being like, we're about to blow up your thing. Like get out <laughs> of there. We have to, um, and the and brains is trying to think of different ways that they can both change the direction of the satellite, but also maybe help Rick still, because they think he is mm-hmm. still in the satellite. Mm-hmm. But ultimately it the time is running out. And so what they end up doing is basically kind of using Thunderbird to to push the satellite enough out of the way so it can crash like in the desert next to the oil refinery rather than on the oil refinery um now again the oil refinery is a part where we have a 30 second panoramic shot of this miniature of what an oil refinery looks like
1: love it love Um, it
0: And then we see some shots of Thunderbird 2 with a little satellite kind of like sitting on its wing for a while. Um, there's also like, again, a weirdly emotional scene between John, or between Virgil and Brains where Brains is kind of like, dude, we've tried our best. He's, he's in the satellite, but if we don't blow him up, then we're gonna blow up like thousands of other people. So we really gotta just, you know, blow become comfortable with killing this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the satellite does indeed get diverted, and then we have our second explosion of the episode. It blo- the satellite blows up in the desert. Nice. Then. The final scene: We're back on the island. We're back with all of the Tracys in their very fancy house, like their house that could appear on the cover of Architectural Design magazine if it were <laughs> real. Um, and Jeff, the dad, is talking to all of the rest of the Tracys um, about how the idea of pirate satellite broadcasting is no longer—they're not—that's no longer going to be permitted. Mm -hmm. Um, because now the dangers of that have been exposed for what they are. Mm -hmm. And so it's unclear exactly how much time has passed since we think that Rick has blown up in the satellite. But Mm -hmm. then it's revealed that Rick didn't get killed, that in fact Alan was successful in rescuing him. And as always, my favorite We've got a flashback in a marionette show.
1: (laughs) Um, Gotta love it.
0: And so what it turns out, when we go back to the moment just before the previous commercial break, when Alan manages to cut through the inner door to the satellite, he has to like Rick is so afraid about leaving the satellite. He kind of bumps back into their various like broadcasting equipment and he Mm -hmm. turns on a tape of a previous broadcast. And that's what Virgil and brains heard when they were trying to tell him, like, you got to get out of there. Right. Mm -hmm. So they thought he was still alive, but, and on the satellite, but in fact it was a recording. And then we also learn that he was no longer on the satellite because then we come back into the present and we see that there that Rick is doing a TV interview. And when the <sighs> TV host man, like turn the camera turns to Rick, and he's got a big old black eye on his puppet <laughs> face. Jesus. And what we learn is that because Rick was freaking out so much about doing a spacewalk, Alan had to punch him in the face <laughs> to get him to leave the satellite.
1: I wish they had shown that. I wish they had shown a (laughs) puppet punching another puppet (laughs) in the face. I would like to have seen how they handled that. I would have
0: liked to see it as well. Um, And that's the episode. We're all done. Everyone's saved. Um, I can't remember. I think this ended much like a lot of um shows in the sixties and really many years after that ended where they were all like laughing amongst each other. Yeah. Like, and and like it's like, and scene. Like we're all laughing. What a great time. Frame they have. all jump.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um and that's it. Uh so Woof. Yeah. Definitely a weird one. Oh, this was something I meant to say at the top, but I forgot. So do you remember when there was a more recent movie done by the people who did South Park featuring Marina? Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was. uh, Yes, of course. Because I was because I kind of have to like walk back. And I thought about this when I said it before. Uh, Team America, Right. Right. Yeah, so I said before that I don't want to watch puppets in a long-form feature. Um, (laughs) I will say Team America is one that does keep my interest, mainly because I also haven't seen it in many years. And anyway, but mainly because the puppets are dirty. (laughs) Well, right, and there's, like, a sex just,
0: scene with puppets,
1: right? That part, I, I'm not so into that. I don't mean dirty like <laughs> that, but I mean, like, they swear. Sure. and um, And it's also, like, a big, like, satire um, about, like, political stuff and everything. So the story is more my speed. Because, like, yeah. puppets plus too long plus, like, the sci-fi, like, kind of boring story, like, that's very... That's a tough nut to crack for me, but like um, puppets being crass and like doing satire, like that's I can I can jive with that a little more.
0: Well, so then you should know that that is at least partially inspired by this series and I believe that because they films.
1: Yeah, I do believe that because they were. That is kind of I mean that was the vibe I was getting from the look of the puppets for sure.
0: Yeah. And then also, I think I never actually saw Team America because of my fear of marionettes. Um, oh, no, you should. And my funny. general, I've always been a bit indifferent to the whole South Park sitch. Mm. But um, the point uh, it's is, got, like, is it's, like, like, it's got
1: good music in it, though. Sure. But like what I remember
0: <laughs> when it came out is that people were saying, like, it's not just that puppets are doing things you don't expect puppets to do, but it's it's more like they're just trying to be as close to, let's say, quote unquote, realism, mm-hmm. uh, but with puppets, right? And yeah, that, exactly. that too is very much like in line with what's happening here, I would say. Yeah, it's like, yeah, how, let's just do a TV show that's like as it would be mm-hmm. in the mid 1960s, but we're just gonna do it with puppets.
1: Yeah, there's no like. And there's no nod to the fact that they're puppets. They're not supposed to be puppets, right? Like that's not right. part right. of the story at all. Right. Um, it's
0: and and I and that I guess I would say I congratulate because I'm like that's an interesting <laughs> idea. Yeah. It's it's creative. Uh, you came up with this whole series of like techniques and technologies to do it. It's not for me but not yeah. everything has to be for me so that's yeah. fine percent. <laughs> like, yeah
1: it's not it's not my jam either in this particular iteration but I can appreciate what they did and the art form of puppetry even if it's not totally my thing um yeah I can appreciate it and I mean like I said I enjoyed the sec deck the set decoration I enjoyed the costumes and the puppet glasses and you know there's things I mean about it definitely
0: that I, I think what is kind of obvious but also what I enjoyed about it is like when you talk about set decoration like truly the attention to detail like th- this looks like any show from the 60s would look like mm-hmm. it's got the same kind of like oh we're gonna have a lamp that's like got mm-hmm. just like a white Stand with a big white ball on top mm-hmm. of it, and we're gonna have low slung couches, and we're gonna have a lot of like weird starburst pattern wall clocks, you know. Like, yeah, the only thing stuff. that took
1: me out of the world of it ever was the weird close ups of the real people hands. That was like the only thing, yeah, that I, thought I think was that was a, wasn't a, a great a choice,
0: <laughs> yeah, that wasn't in line with the rest, I don't think, yeah. but um. Yeah, so in that sense, I I really enjoyed the look of the show, Mm -hmm. Um, and even I don't know, like I don't I don't know that I would improve it in some way, but it is just strange this like puppet thing of it. Yeah, like that's just, but that's what that's the whole point of it. Like, is to do it with puppets, and I think I also get the impression that people who are like puppeteers. I think that part of what's fun about being a puppeteer is creating these challenges. Like, can we show someone riding a bike? Can we Mm -hmm. show someone swimming? Can we, Mm -hmm. you know, like all that stuff. Because I know that Mm -hmm. even from, um, like the Muppets and stuff, there were things Mm -hmm. that they were like, we're going to put this scene in, not so much because it's essential to the story, but because... We just want to show puppets doing stuff mm-hmm. that generally puppets don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you are a puppeteer, one of the fun things is to come up with technical challenges yeah, um, and then see if you can execute them. And, that, and this show definitely seems to be especially that sort of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So now let's turn to yawns and eye rolls. <laughs> This might be dangerous. Um <laughs> in terms of yawns, one yawn is man, I was like really into this. Couldn't stop watching. And ten yawns is like wow, I really either I was tired or this just makes you want to take a nap. Where would you mm. fall?
1: Ooh, this is tough because it didn't make me want to fall asleep necessarily, but I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> um, mm. So I'm going to go like two. It was pretty boring for me. I really had, even though no, I didn't No, so then that should be asleep. a nine. Oh. Ten yawns is
0: a lot of boring.
1: Oh, to, oh. oh really? I yeah, don't know what the ever.
0: One yawn is like, I'm into it. And then oh. Tanyons is like I'm not into it.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Then yeah, 9. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean I think I would put it maybe a 7. Okay. Um because as I was just saying, I liked a lot of the ideas. Mm-hmm. Um and I liked seeing how someone was trying to work them out, but The story was really slow moving. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, yeah, like I would have liked this if this were more like a 35 to 40 minutes rather than a 50 minute.
1: Um, Yeah. And I think you could have done that.
0: (laughs) Well, sure. But like, and I think you could have done, you could have cut the fat. And I think it would have been a bit more my scene. Yeah. Um, But. It's still not the totally boringest thing we've ever seen or watched, mainly just because how much do you see a puppet like lamenting the fact that they haven't had a romantic opportunity? Pretty much never. <laughs> like, So that's kind true. of interesting. True, true, um, true. In terms of eye rolls, this one might be even more dangerous. Um, Yikes. One eye roll is like, I believe it. And ten eye rolls is like I do not believe it.
1: Whoa, okay. Well, I mean by virtue of the fact that they're puppets, like I gotta go ten. Like I don't believe <laughs> it. They're they're puppets. Like I like I was I get it. Like I'm like again, the world that they created, they did a good job artistically, but like no, they were puppets then. No. It was crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I have I'm I'm having a bit of a tough time with this. But I guess yeah, I also have to say I'll be a little bit generous and say 9 because it, the fact that it was puppets, I couldn't forget it. Yeah. I couldn't fully engage with the world that they made even though they made a really good job of that world. I yeah. personally, it was a block. And that's the thing. I'll say It was my personal block. I'm sure other people (laughs) totally get into the world. I know. I mean, the fact that it's so popular as a cult thing suggests that there are many people who can get into the world of it and be happy about it. But I just like, because I don't care for puppets, that is not a hurdle I can overcome, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Well, would you ever, the final question, would you ever recommend this to anyone?
1: I mean, I'd be like, hey, I saw it on YouTube. It's free. Like, maybe scrub through it. See a couple little funny, check out the puppet glasses. (laughs) (laughs) That's clearly
0: your favorite part of the whole thing. That is my favorite
1: part. I had forgotten. But, yeah, I I don't know that, no, I don't think overall I would, like, be like, you should check this show out. It's rules. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's, no.
0: Yeah, I think I would only recommend it in the sense of, like, I, d- I kind of do think, like, yeah, everyone should, like, watch an episode to mm-hmm. see the 60s of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the puppet thing is kind of wild and fun to watch for a little bit. And then then you, you can be done unless it really yeah. draws you in. Like, yeah. that's my—and since you can find it for free, it's yeah. like, yeah, give, give one episode a watch— if from that you want to do more, then cool. But I don't need to do yeah, more. I will not be
1: personally taking in
0: that. <laughs> okay, well, um, as always, it's been a pleasure, Amy. I am Sarah, and we will see you next week in space. Ooh. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in space this is a production by amy and sarah walsh with artwork provided by riley brown if you'd like to learn more about our show please check us out at see you next week in or follow us on instagram at see you next week in space until the next one